Hey everybody, this is Lucas from Coastal Vineyard. Just wanted to say thank you for downloading this podcast or maybe picking up a CD after service. We love you and we are praying for you. We believe that your best days are yet to come. So expect the best. We hope that this message inspires you and moves your faith into action. So sit back and enjoy. And everybody said, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now, faith is what the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. But faith, but by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made by the things which are visible. So here, we have the writer of the book of Hebrews. We don't really uh, know who he is. A lot of people would speculate that maybe it's Paul writing this book. Um, but wh- whoever it is, they begin to lay out this definition of faith. And he tells us this, and it's something that we maybe have all heard at one point before. Faith is what this substance of things hope for, these, this evidence of things unseen. And so if I was reading this for the first time and someone was trying to describe faith to me and they were to say, well, what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. I would respond by saying, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Could you bring a little bit more clarity to that? Um, as a matter of fact, a uh, few, quite a few years ago, I'm over in Indonesia and I'm on this one particular island and I'm, I'm just doing my best to learn the language, doing everything I can to just pick up as much as I can. And I had found this tea that I really loved, and it was called Sariwangi Tea Mantis. And it's a, it's a type of sweet tea, and I just loved it. But I didn't understand the full meaning of what the Sariwangi Tea Mantis mean. I knew it meant uh, tea, tea, matzis is sweet. It was like a type of sweet tea, but the Sariwangi I didn't understand. And so I began to ask different Indonesian people, well, what, what does this word mean? What, how, how do you translate? And no one could really translate the word into English for me. They were trying to tell me what they thought it was, and, and it, it just kept, it was just, just boggled. And finally, I found out what it meant, and it, it meant this. It means the essence of tea, the essence of tea. And so could you imagine trying to translate that word essence so if someone was to come in here this morning and they were Spanish-speaking or Korean or whatever, and they said, well, what is this word essence? How, how, do, you, how do you define essence? In, in a term that a person that can, doesn't speak the language understands. And, and Paul here is, begins to talk about faith. And, and when we talk about faith, he's almost trying to define something that is very hard to understand, and he puts it in this language where he says, well, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. I said Paul, but we don't know who the writer is, whoever wrote this. Um, And to which I think at this point when he's writing, he says, wait a minute, I'm going to have to bring some clarity to this. And so the rest of this chapter is really bringing clarity to this very first statement. And that is this definition of faith. Faith, the evidence of things hoped, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. And he says, by it, by this faith that I'm talking about, the worlds as we know it were shaped and framed by this word of God. And so what, he, what, he, what he's doing is he's bringing into context how this faith looks practically. Because there's an element to faith that there's substance, there's visibility, there's 
tangibleness to it, but yet there's this invisible factor too. It's evidence of something that's unseen. So it's, it's there, but it's not. It's tangible, but it's intangible. And so he says, well, let me take you all the way back to the beginning of creation. And so at the beginning of creation, he's saying this, we can look around and we can see the world as it is, and it's inside this framework that what has been spoken by God. God spoke this framework, and everything that we see now is giving testimony to that which we don't see. So everything that is visible, all the sun, the moon, the stars, the dirt, the animals, everything is now giving testimony to what that there is God. That everything visible is giving, pointing us to this way of this word, this word of God. Because God speaks words and things come into being. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. In the beginning was the word. So there's this word, God speaks. And if we read Genesis 1, we'll start to read how God speaks these words. And the earth was formless and void, and God begins to shape. It says, let there be light, and let there be sun and moon and stars, and let there be oceans and seas, and let there be fish in the sea. And, but there's, when we begin to read this, um, in our English translations of Genesis 1, uh, Genesis 1 is actually written as an ancient Hebrew poem. And whenever you read Genesis 1, it doesn't say, and God said, let there be light. When you read Genesis 1 in the Hebrew, it says, and God said, light be. Moon, be. Earth, be. There's, it's not this kind of context of let there be light, but there's this simple being. God speaks and things come into creation. Let there be light. And so there's this definition of faith. There's this substance of things hoped for, this evidence, this evidence all around of all the things that we see that are giving point to this word, this God, who shaped and formed and put everything inside the framework of his handiwork. Um, now, I skipped a verse there, from one to three. Now, in between those verses, in between the writer saying, this is what faith is, and this is what faith looks like, he says this, and by it, by this faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. So what he's doing, he's answering the who, what, when, where, whys of faith. And he's saying this is, this is important because by it, all of these heroes, everyone that we've been telling stories about from, from the beginning of the ages, from, from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all David and all of these ones that you know and everyone that you're reading all of these scriptures around it, this is how they obtained a good testimony. And they did it through faith. See, now this is key because this is completely contrary to the way that we do things in the world now. See, Whenever I think of, or, or, or let, me, let me put it this way, whenever you begin to think of having a good testimony, or when you begin to think of different things that labeled as success, what begins to fill your mind? What begins to fill your mind when you think about success, when you think about having this good testimony, when you think about living a life well-lived, when you start to think about your heroes and your life? What begins to fill your mind? Well, see, sometimes for a lot of us, it begins to fill our mind with all these concepts of doing 
everything that these people have done. We look at someone like Billy Graham and we think, well, man, look at, he's preached to millions of people. He's done all of this. Or, or we think of different heroes that we may have. And, oh, this person's definitely a success because, look, he's built this corporation, this company from the ground up. And now it's, it's worth millions of dollars. Now, look at this. See, it's, this is our definition of success. This is our definition of what has been done. And it's all based upon doing what we've accomplished and what we've done for the Lord. And what the writer is saying here, all of these heroes that we've looked to for so long, there's a common element. And the common element isn't what they've done. The common element is what gave them the strength to do what they did. And that is faith. Faith. That is how you obtain a good testimony. You want to know the, a really good definition of success? Be faithful. Faith. It's by it, we, we find that everything shapes and moves who we are. All those that we look to as heroes is all hallmarked by this faith. But yet, we kind of love to find our acceptance in what we do instead of who we are. And what happens is it leads to this kind of performance mentality where we begin to feel more loved based upon how well we perform. We begin to feel more love based upon how well we perform. And we have a performance-based lifestyle that says, Jesus loves me more if I do A, B, and C. Because after all, that's, that's what we're accustomed to in our workplace. We get promotions, and we get different things all based upon performance. Sometimes our marriages begin to be based upon performance. I need ABC done and all of these different things. And this is completely contrary to the Word of God. It says this, And while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. In other words, He loved you no matter what. He loved you in the midst of of your sin and your filthiness. And whatever you do, you can't escape that love of Christ. And you can't earn his love. And yet, somehow, way, we kind of subconsciously begin to live this life that says, the more I do for God, the more he loves me. And so our faith begins to no longer be a faith that's based upon what he's done, but our faith begins to be a faith that's based upon what we've done. And so now I'm more accepted, I'm more Christian, I'm more loved, because look, I did this for you, God. And it's only a matter of time before we find ourselves before God, and we find ourselves like those men that says, but look, God, we cast out demons in your name, we, we did this, we, we started a church, we went and we told people all over the world about you, and God's like, I never knew you. But wait, but you don't understand, God, all of these things that I did, look at this performance. I was top of the class. All the time trying to get our acceptance in what we've done instead of getting our acceptance in what he has done. And that's a big, big difference. Now, Hebrews is, is this letter that's written to the church, it's, and it's written almost in the form of a sermon. It's written in the form of the sermon because the, the writer is, is writing, he's addressing these things that are happening in the, in the church, and he's really addressing them from a point of, listen, don't go back 
to the way it was before Jesus. Because the way it was before Jesus was everything was based upon the law. And we find this all throughout the New Testament. We find this, the, the entire book of Galatians. We find this all throughout this, the, these writers saying, listen, as now new followers of Christ, it's this temptation to go back to this way of thinking that says it's all about doing. Because that's what the law was all about. The law was all about you do A, B, C, and D. You don't do this, you don't do this, and this is what puts you in the right standing. And now Jesus comes on the scene. His blood, his atonement eradicates all that and says, you know what? By my blood, now you are accepted. Now you can enter in. And there's this kind of tendency, there's this draw with us as Christians to want to retreat back into a life that bases our salvation, our sanctification, our holiness, our being based upon what we do. And so this letter, this writer saying, don't do it. Listen, it's about faith in God and everything that he's done. And this is how we obtain a good, this is how all of these heroes that we've read about, this is how they obtain a good testimony. How? Through faith. Through faith. Don't go back to your, how often is it for us to kind of get into this works mentality where I've just got to do all of these things for God. And what's, what's really funny is how we base our lives sometimes on this doing, even so much so when even, even it comes to the Sabbath. When, when God says, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, and basically say, do nothing. And so we, we take do nothing, and then we start to do something with it. But God, look, I didn't do anything. <laughs> because whether we realize it or not, sometimes we base all of these things about performance and what we can do for God. Maybe um, you're in the workplace here, and have you ever seen it where you're working, you're giving your all, you're giving your hardest, and then someone else gets the promotion, but the someone else that gets the promotion is he got the promotion because he's the vice president's son? And you're just like, no, I'm way more qualified. I work way harder than that guy. And it's just not right. It's not fair. But you know what? The kingdom of God works like that. And the fact that you are a child of God puts you up here, not because of anything that you've done, because of everything that he's done and who you are through him. That's a life changer, guys. God says, you know what? Because you're my child, because you're my son, my daughter, this is what I think about you. You know what? You don't deserve it. But I'm going to give it to you anyway. We turn this kind of faith into this works mentality. And faith works, but faith is not work. Faith works, but faith is not work. You are not justified by the A, B's, and C, and D. You're justified. You get the good testimony because of your faith in God. When we confuse this, it leads us back to the law. Now, he's given us this definition of faith. He has told us this is how all of our heroes obtained their good testimony. He's given us a framework of how the earth is formed and what the tangible and intangible, how two different things still come together. But then he says, you know what, this isn't enough. There's still something missing about his faith. So he goes on, and he starts in, in, in verse 4, and he begins to list these def- different men and women of faith. 
It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. And then by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not to come, or, or things to come, he, what, built a boat. And then by faith, Abraham obeyed and he stepped out into a land that God would show him. By faith, Sarah conceived in her old age. So he begins to give these list of these different people, of different things that they've done through their faith. And these would be, these would be those that, if you were reading this letter for the first time, you would be very familiar with their stories. And he does it really in this chronological order. He starts off with creation, talking about the world and the way it was formed and the way it was shaped and how God speaks into the world. And then he goes on to say Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah. And so he's kind of going through this chronological list of people's lives. And he's saying, look, from the very beginning of time, faith is the substance that's been a part of God's plan all along. And so Without it, it's impossible to please him. It's a core foundation to knowing God, and that's through faith. He's laying this foundation of how we look at it, of how we obtain it. And so what he's doing with these ones, these, this Abraham and, and Sarah and Enoch, he, he's really establishing this, this base that says, listen, you look to these guys, and you look at Noah, and you see the boat. But God sees faith. And you look at Abraham, and you see that the father of all these nations, and and God says he sees faith. And see, whenever our life comes to an end, we'll stand before God, and he'll say what? Well done, good and faithful servant. See, he didn't, Noah didn't stand before him, and God didn't say, high five, good boat. That was awesome. Good job on the boat. Got you into heaven. No. No. Good job, good and faithful servant. But imagine this. Imagine if Sarah would have said, you know what, I need to build a boat because Noah built a boat. And she gets before God. But God, look, I built a boat just like Noah built a boat. God says, that wasn't part of your journey. But yet how often are we trying to compare our journeys to someone else's journey? See, God had a boat for him. God had a a child for her. Enoch, God just wanted him to walk with him. What did he do? He just walked with God. See, there's a different journey. There's a different faith journey for each one of us. And if you get caught in that trap of comparing yourself to someone else, that trap that says, well, I've got to do this and this and this, and that's what's going to earn me good standings with God, you're going to miss it big time. Life will be miserable big time. Man, I, I'm, just, I'm just not as qualified. I'm not as good. I'm not, I'm not doing what Lucas is doing right now, or I'm not doing what this other preacher on TV is doing now. What has God given you to do? For some, it's building boats. For some, it's planting fields. For others, it was, for Sarah, it was this child. For, no, for Abraham, it was just, just to go, step out and walk in faith to a place that God would show him. And by faith, Abel offered up a sacrifice to God. All of these different examples the writer is giving us all to kind of show that, look, it's not just about what they did, it's how they did it, and how they did it was through faith. Through faith. Have you got upset with God and frustrated with God 
Because like Cain, God's rejected your offering. See, you've been working so hard to try to prove something to God. And God says, that's not for what I have for you. And so, like Cain, we're frustrated. See, the Bible tells us this about Cain and Abel. Um, Cain was a tiller of the ground, right? Let me read it. Genesis chapter 2. Two or three. Four. Yeah, four and verse two. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So here we have these two brothers. One is a keeper of sheep. The other is a tiller of ground. They offer this sacrifice to the Lord. One offers a more acceptable sacrifice. God accepts one, rejects the other. Now could you imagine if you were Cain at that moment? And you say, but look, he just brought you, he's just a keeper of sheep. He just, he just kind of stands there all day and, and, and kind of protects them. I, I till the ground. I'm out there working hard. There's blood, sweat, and tears involved with this sacrifice, God. There must be some kind of mistake. You know how hard I worked to get this grapefruit out of the ground? You know, he's tilling the ground. This guy just keeps sheep. And so there's this kind of, there's this frustration with God that, Lord, You've rejected my offering. You don't see how hard I've worked. And then the Lord says, well, if you don't do good, will it not be accepted? Sin lies at the door. See, there's this kind of thought and there's this mentality that we could earn God's love. And from the very beginning, we find ourselves just like these two brothers, just like this one brother, really just trying to show God how we can do it, how hard we can work, how we can earn it. And God's saying, listen, it's not about that. It's about doing what I've told you to to do. It's not about the A, Bs, and Cs of checklist Christianity, but it's the fact that you're accepted based upon what I've done for you and not what you've done. Think about that. For, I know it's very simple. But do we actually believe that? Do we actually believe that? That our life, our salvation, our sanctification, our holiness is based on the complete work of Christ. And that there's nothing else that we could add to it. And we do it all through faith. See, if we did that I think there would, be, there would be a lot more peace. There'd be a lot less striving to have to become what you already are. See, you're trying to become what you already are. I was going to save this for next week, but I think it's appropriate to talk about now. Um, when we think about holiness, oftentimes we think about holiness as, as this kind of checklist of this is what makes me holy these are the things that are holy and these are the things that are unholy and this is what it takes to be holy and in first peter god says this be holy for i am holy be holy for i am holy and so in other words there's this being that you already are you don't have to try to be holy god says you are holy 
you are because that's what he is. And so therefore, because he is holy, you are holy. Let me give you um, a better example. Uh, Chris, his son is Ian and Alan, these two boys, and their last name is Stanley. And so Chris looks to his son, uh, Alan, and says, Alan, be Stanley, for I am Stanley. Now, Alan goes out, and he commits just the worst crime possible. He does all of these things different apart from his father's name. Does that make him any less Stanley? No. And see, God looks at us, and he says, be holy, for I am holy. And because we are made in his image, in his likeness, we can be just like him. And so what is it? It's us looking to the Father and saying, this is what it looks like. This is, this is holiness, and I can walk in it. I don't have to try to be something that I already am. Does the apple tree say, man, man, if I could just be an apple tree, if I could just be an apple tree? No, it is an apple tree. And yet, there's seasons of life, and it is, and yet it's becoming So there's this idea of you are, and yet you are becoming. See, you are holy, and yet you are being made holy. You are saved, and yet you are being made saved. There's this now, and there's this present, and there's the not yet. It's coming, it's here, it's now. The kingdom of God is here, it's within us, it's all around us, and yet the kingdom is still coming. You are, and yet you are becoming. And when we look at this word holiness, Holiness always is referred to as this type of state of being. So when God uses holiness in the Bible, he could say uh, a holy city, a holy nation, a holy people. There could be a holy fragrance. There could be holy food. We take communion, and it is a holy food. There's all these different things because what? It is a state of being. It's something that God has set apart unto himself, and because he has set it apart now, that's what it is. Be holy, for I am holy. You are because of what he says you are, and not that anything that you have done. So there's this setting apart, there's this holiness that I think we need to learn to just walk in, to simply be what we already are. To simply have this, how how do I become a successful Christian? By faith. How do I become this man, this woman that I desire to be? By faith. Your little checklist and all of these things that you think you've got under control. Oh yeah, anger. Check that one off the list. Got, you know, haven't got angry in the last five years. It's by the grace of God let's just take a moment right now and pause for a second if anyone could close their eyes I feel like there might be someone in the room this morning and maybe I I haven't done a, a good job of really putting it into the words that I think that God's trying to get across But I think what he's saying this morning, to really make it as simple as I can, is to say this to you, that you are accepted. 
that you are accepted, that you are part of the family. And you don't have to try to impress him. You don't have to put on your Christian hat. You don't have to listen to Caleb. <laughs> you don't have to do all of those things that, think, that you think make you acceptable in his eyes. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. In the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our anger and rage and hatred, in the midst of our self-love, in the midst of everything that love is against, Christ loved us. And I find myself wrapped in his arms, not by anything that I have done or will done, but because of everything that he has done. So Lord, may your presence fill these hearts right now. Fill these hearts. Break off those chains that say, I have to be this certain way. I have to perform this certain way. Do you want to be a person that has a good testimony? Live by faith. Do you want to be a person that hears, well done, good and faithful servant? Live by faith. All of the heroes of the Bible, all of the men and the women that we read about that find themselves doing wonderful things, they all had something in common. They lived by faith. Are you living by faith this morning? Or are you responsible for everything that happens to you? Are you the Lord over your finances? Are you the Lord over your marriage? Are you the Lord over your kids? Over your health? Over your worries and concerns? Are we living by faith? Faith that holds on to God no matter what. One last thing here from Hebrews before we close. At the end of the chapter, he's given this list of all these different men and women. And he begins to talk about some of the things that happened. The walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe but she had received the spies with peace. And then he says this, and what more shall I say? 
For time would fail me to tell you of all of these different men and women of faith. See, starting verse 33, there were those who faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to fight the armies of aliens. Women, women received the dead raised again to life. Others were tortured. And see, I, I love this word, others. So he, go, he goes from giving this list of all of these wonderful accomplishments, all these men, women that had received Children back from the dead, uh, walls of Jericho that have fell down, all of these victories, victory, victory, victory. But then he says, others, others were tortured, others not accepted deliverance, but that they might obtain a better erection yet. Still more, others had trials, mockings, scourgings, yes, chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with a sword. They wandered around in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, whom the world was not worthy. They wandered the deserts and the mountains and dens and in caves, and all, and all of these, having obtained a good testimony, what? Through faith. So all of these obtaining a good testimony, the ones that came out victorious and the ones that were chopped in half. All of these obtained this testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should be made perfect apart from us. There is, this, there is this kind of thinking that God blesses us when everything works out okay. And that's not what faith is all about. Faith doesn't say that everything is going to be all fine. Faith doesn't say that everything is going to work the way that you want it to. Faith says sometimes the walls fall down and sometimes we get chopped in two. Sometimes we're mocked and sometimes we're, we're persecuted and we're ridiculed for our faith. And sometimes things just don't work out. And yet all of these obtained a good testimony through what? Through faith through faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I think God is looking for men and women of faith. He's looking for people that will just put their faith and their trust in him. And the rest of the journey, no matter how different it is, for some they build boats, and for some they do this, for some they do that. What is your faith journey? It doesn't matter as long as you are what? Faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. Stop trying to be something you already are you're accepted and god loves you let's pray one last time lord this morning i just thank you for your son i thank you for your blood your blood that wipes all of my sins away that puts me into right standing with you lord thank you thank you thank you thank you jesus This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org.
Come on, be safe. 